Welcome to the Unveiling Grace podcast, a place to experience a grace that heals. Allow this grace to take your life and your relationships to another level as it frees you from the weight of performance-based religion. Enjoy another episode as Joel Groh and Lynn Wilder share encouraging stories and candid dialogue that can help you experience a grace that heals. Hi, I'm Joel Grote. And I'm Lynn Wilder. And today we are going to continue our conversation from the previous episode where we were talking about the stages of grief. And Lynn, you've done a great job introducing those stages. And last time we talked about bargaining quite a bit. And today we're going to kind of finish up a couple things on bargaining and then go into depression as one of those stages of grief. Um, But before we do that, I just want to say thank you to all of our listeners who have left comments on iTunes, who have left ratings and reviews for us. We are so encouraged by that. We have a five-star rating. And so um, if you want to jump onto iTunes and find the Unveiling Grace podcast and do that, just know that we read all those comments. We're encouraged by them. And also encourage you to subscribe to the podcast because when you subscribe, uh, you won't miss an episode and you'll get those right onto your phone. So just say thank you because uh, it's encouraging to me. I know it's encouraging to you too, Lynn, to know that people are listening and being helped by this and we really appreciate the feedback. Before you leave that topic, I want to tell you a little story. I was speaking in Phoenix about a month ago, and a Christian woman uh, came up to me and said, I run a Bible study in my neighborhood, and she said, I have a neighbor in performance-based religion who has been listening to the Unveiling Grace podcast. She found it online. Oh, wow. And... She has is testing the waters of biblical faith by coming to our Bible study, and she was not ready to meet you yet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because those early stages are fearful, right? Well, fear yeah. plays into the bargaining stage as well. At the end, you, you said to me that maybe we should explore this fear idea a little more. So, yes, absolutely. While you're bargaining with the Lord, um, people have this fear that they're not going to do enough, God's not going to listen to them, and then you have this guilt and this fear and this shame as if you could do something, you could have done something, somehow you could have avoided this happening. Well, let's talk about fear Um, yeah because fear is a huge powerful emotion it drives so much and yet it's such a crippling emotion we said last time that anger is a secondary emotion anger sometimes comes from fear fear sometimes drives anger Fear is quite powerful. The Bible says that the God of this world, or Satan, uses fear. Yes. He uses shame, and he uses guilt to keep people bound. So the Adams Road Ministry has a 
sweet, beautiful young woman, Lila LeBaron, yes. who got <laughs> saved to biblical faith out of the LeBaron uh, polygamy colony in Mexico. And she is now with the Adams Road Ministry. Well, when she tells her testimony, she talks about how her father, who she loves greatly and has long since forgiven, used to beat her brothers to within an inch of their lives. Yes. And that, that her relationship with her father was all about fear. So when he would come home, she would hide and she always wanted to please him. Well, this was my lot in performance-based religion, feeling wow. like I always had to please father. And if I didn't, then I had fear of what might the consequences might be, like my son getting Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever that I mentioned last time. Yeah, and I just want to say for our listeners, if you're intrigued by Lila Baron, Lila the Baron's story, um, we'll link to that in the show notes because we did two podcast episodes with her that were absolutely amazing. Um, well, when heart-wrenching, she... candid, touching, so we'll link to those in the show notes. Awesome. When she presents her testimony, she pulls a verse out of 1 John 4. Um, 1 John 4 is the most awesome place to go to learn how the nature of this God of the Bible is love and not fear, right? He says, perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who yeah. fears is not made perfect in love. So in other words, you come to Christ. He loves you. You love him. He loves you even when you don't come. But when you come, you should be overcome with this feeling of being loved by your Lord and not having to do performance-based works in order to please him that fear might be your driving motivator. Um, it really is all about love with this God. Right. And really, when we're honest about bargaining, at the root of bargaining is a lack of trust. It is a fear that God isn't going to do right or do what's good or do what's best for you. And the only way to get God to do what's best for you is to make somehow these bargains with him. And, and, and while people go through the stage and we don't want to make people feel guilty or ashamed if they're in kind of this bargaining stage, we do want to say, um, recognize the stage, but recognize that God's calling you to love him and trust him and that the bargaining is not necessary. Because as you've said with yourself, when you were honest, you weren't upholding even your own end of the bargains you were making with God. And I don't think any of us do. Right. And when you think your bargaining might have power or your works matter, and you're bargaining, 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 and you don't get your way, then depression can set in. So there's been a great shock, 
someone's died, you've decided your performance-based religion isn't true, your spouse has asked for a divorce, some shock to your system, and you've bargained with God and nothing's changing, then before you get to kind of accepting the new reality, there's this hyper-emotional depression that can often set in. Depression is just kind of a normal part of going through these stages, um, particularly if you don't know the God of the Bible. And even if you do, depression can seep into the lives of many people. So let's talk. Um, openly and authentically, Joel, about depression today. Yes. And I think the first thing that we need to say is depression is not sin. Some of the most notable characters in the Bible show, exhibit all the classic signs of depression. You have Elijah. After the encounter with the prophets of Baal, where God shows up in a huge way, His life is threatened, and we find him not too much later hiding out in a cave saying, God, just kill me now. I'm so done. You know, there's no one else who loves you, no one else who serves you. I mean, he is depressed. David, when you read some of the Psalms, David exhibits incredible depression over what he's going through and suffering. So, yeah, so the first thing is, you know, depression is not sin. And Jonah's one of my favorites, right? Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> he, gets, he doesn't want to preach to the Ninevites. He gets uh, swallowed by a large fish. He gets spit out. He goes, does what he's been asked to do. They actually repent, which he's not happy with. He doesn't seem to like them well and then he goes and sits under a bush right and you know and he's out in the heat and so god lets this vine sort of gourd thing that grows up almost overnight provide shade and then a worm comes along and eats the vine and it dies and he's just like okay kill me now Um, and and the funny thing is with jonah we never hear the end of the story it just it just kind of ends there i'm i'm Pretty sure Jonah, as a prophet of God, even with his depression and bad attitude, is going to be in heaven. Um, but he's one of the people I definitely want to look up because I want to say, Jonah, <laughs> how did the story end? But yeah, you have all, I mean, and you even, even when you read the Apostle Paul, he is brutally honest at times with his struggle. Mm. And so, yeah. But let's talk about, okay, so if you're in this place, you realize the bargaining hasn't worked, the bargaining isn't going to work, you realize your new normal is going to have sorrow and brokenness and pain in it, what can we say about their life, how they can think biblically that will help them? I realized after God plucked me out of BYU and took me to Florida that I might have been angry about that, but that was because I thought I knew what was best for my life. I had wants 
and needs, right? And they weren't being met. And I wanted to stay in Utah. We like to hike and ski and and yeah. Um, so God plucks me in Florida. It was really supernaturally got me a job I didn't even apply for. We end up in Florida, and I'm complaining. I mean, if you can imagine <laughs> this, one day I'm swimming, and I look up, and I realize that what I'm looking at I had seen previously in a dream as if God had prepared me for this time and this place. And it just washed over me how selfish I was being and that God had literally plucked me out of a place I loved, Utah, and brought me to paradise, that I'm living in this gorgeous place that every northerner wants to get to, right? <laughs> yeah. Florida with a palm tree. <laughs> Um, yeah, and yet we think our own way and we think we know what makes us happy and we think we know. And yet if you get to a place where you can know that God is loving, know that he intimately loves you, know that he has your best interests in mind, knows that know that down the road things are going to probably be calmer more peaceful there's going to be reconciliation and that he can make all this right that's a lot of trust at that stage but in the midst of depression there were moments when i went whoa lord i trust you yeah and and i think at the core of how we respond to depression is this ability to be brutally honest with God about what you're feeling and you're experiencing. I really like Psalm 55 because David is in one of his most down places. David has been betrayed by a friend. That much is clear from the context. And so I just want to read a bit of Psalm 55 just to let people know okay you can talk to God like this and he hears and he cares the psalm starts give ear to my prayer O God and hide not yourself from my plea for mercy attend to me answer me I am restless and in my complaint and I moan because of the noise of the enemy because of the oppression of the wicked for they drop trouble on me, and in anger they bear a grudge against me. And he goes on to say in verse 12, For it is not an enemy who taunts me, then I could bear it. It's not an adversary who deals insolently with me, because then I could hide from him. But it is you, a man, my equal, my companion, my familiar friend. We used to take sweet counsel together. Within God's house, we walked in the throng. And a different translation says, we used to go to the temple together. Mm. And he says, let death steal over them. Let them go down to Sheol alive, for evil is in their dwelling place and in their heart. Okay, that's pretty brutally honest um, an expression of, of what's going on at the deepest heart level. But then the very next verse says, but I call to God and the Lord will save me. 
evening and morning and at noon, I utter my complaint and I moan, and he hears my voice. He redeems my soul in safety from the battle that I wage, for many are arrayed against me. My companion stretched out his hand against his friends. He violated his covenant. His speech was as smooth as butter, yet war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. I mean, the level and the depth of the betrayal and the relational abandonment that David is going through here, and what he does to it is he brings it. He just dumps it all in God's lap. And that's kind of how he ends the psalm. The psalm ends with him saying, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. I will trust in you. Mm. And man, this the depression thing is so real. It, it's palpable. And when you're in it, I mean, I've had people describe it to me as being inside a huge box with a big, heavy, wet, black blanket thrown on top of you. So the last thing I want to do is minimize depression. Well, you've asked them to go to the Lord, and that is the first place to go. But also, I think people who are just feeling this weight of depression also need other believers to go to that they can talk to. I have a good friend who's a biblical Christian uh, counselor, and she has just been delightful to help me with some of the folks who come to me. Um, it, it does help, I think, to have a safe place to go to express these things. So yes. in biblical faith, we have pastors we can go to. Churches will have counselors. Um, a pastor's wife sometimes is a counselor. Some churches have care, care pastors who yes. do this kind mm -hmm. of thing and have degrees, particularly in psychology and uh, know a lot about depression. Certainly there are hotlines you can reach out to even that are anonymous, but trying to weather the storm by yourself is difficult. Yes. Uh, God provides for us himself <laughs> and his body on the earth that should be stepping into the gap when there is depression. Yeah, and, and I think you know, if you're trying to come alongside someone who has admitted their depression, who said, you know, I'm, you know, the last thing they need to hear is, you know, snap out of it or, well, just, you know, count your blessings. Um, I know uh, Brene, Brene Brown um, is a speaker. She's done a number of like TED Talks. She has a phenomenal talk on empathy and the need to come alongside without sensing any need to fix. And, um, you know, that's just so helpful. And I think as believers within community, when we see how messed up we are 
and how broken and fallen we are, even with Christ, that can really help take away from that tendency to want to fix somebody else because we realize we don't have the ability to fix, but we certainly have the ability to walk alongside and to listen um, and encourage and share the burden however we can. And pray, right? With Absolutely, them. yes. So after, when I was in performance-based religion, I had postpartum depression after one of my children, and I did. I don't recall telling a soul, not my husband, not anyone in my world, because I was so sure that I had to make things perfect, right, and present wow. them to God like that, and um, That's hopefully. That's such a lonely place. Oh, it was. It was. It, and dangerous, I think, if folks are not aware and people need to be watching out for signs. I mean, depression can be very serious. And yes. um, now, though, that I'm with God, I've learned to be much more authentic with other people. I love that about biblical faith, that you can actually admit weaknesses. And, right. Um, yeah, and it's, talk it's not, to other people. And then they don't have a hold on you anymore. <laughs> right. And it's not yeah. that Christians are any um, better or are any less immune to these things. Right. But we have a context and a place to go with them where we don't have to walk alone with them. And that's, you know, that's where the beauty of community and again, we've said, you know, we are both involved in support groups for, for people who are transitioning out of performance-based religious groups, and we'll link to those places um, in the show notes as well if you're interested where you can find out more about that. But yeah, I love what you said, Lynn. Don't, don't go it alone. Find someone, a counselor, a pastor, a close friend that you can share with. Um, and be brutally honest with um, so that as you're as you find yourself in this depression stage of transition um, that you can move out and it doesn't last forever I mean I don't know how long um, your depression stage lasted um, but I know it at one point you begin to you be you began to see a light at the end of the tunnel can you talk a little bit about that? And we've probably got just a couple minutes left. Yeah, I remember, you know, I've told you before that when things got really tough in my life, I would go face down on the carpet in my bedroom usually. And yes. I remember one day just saying, Lord, will this ever end? I. I still feel confused about what's true. I, my relationships, my family relationships are broken. You know, it's been some time now. Uh, I need some hope, right? And uh, literally while I was in prayer, I felt like the Lord spoke to me through a thought, right? That hang on, you're about to rise up. Um, and honestly, it was not long after that when the confusion lifted 
and I knew who I was in Christ. I'd been in the Word now for several years. Okay. I knew who I was in Christ. That was the most helpful thing for me to move on from all of the darkness was I have a new identity now. My identity's not Mormon anymore, but I have an identity in Christ alone, and I know who He is, and I know who God is, and I know who I am, and I know who the Holy Spirit is and how he works in me. And I can do this life thing. Um, things are better. And then really um, that darkness lifted and I was ready to go out there and tell other people. The Psalms say many times, uh, just tell, right? Yes. Just tell yeah. what God has done. And that I love doing and it's very healing to me. Well, that, I mean, that is so cool. That is so encouraging to hear. And I hope it brings encouragement to the people who are listening. We're, we're kind of at the end of our time. And I just, I think next time I would love to again, kind of wrap up depression and then move into that next stage, which, stage, which is the acceptance stage and what that looks like and what people can look forward to. So again, any of these resources we've talked about, we'll link to in the show notes. Um, so, man, thank you, Lynn. This has been so good. This has been so rich. I appreciate you being vulnerable. And for those of you that are listening, man, we'd love to hear from you. Um, I'll let you say whatever you'd like here. <laughs> it does get better. There's great hope. Life on this side is free in Christ, and I don't mean free to sin but free from guilt and shame and fear and uh, just being able to bask in the love of Jesus. Wow, so cool. Well, until next time, don't be a stranger. We look forward to you on the next episode of our Unveiling Grace podcast. God bless. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Unveiling Grace podcast. Join us next time for another conversation devoted to helping your life and relationships flourish. As always, you can find show notes, program transcripts, and leave us your comments and questions at unveilinggracepodcast.com. For a limited time, we are offering the Wilder's book, Seven Reasons We Left Mormonism, for a donation of any amount. Go to unveilinggracepodcast.com and click on the free book button to request yours. We greatly appreciate your support for the Unveiling Grace podcast, where you can experience a grace that heals. Mm-hmm.